my husband has this joke because every time we are at the hospital and somebody asks, who is your doctor, your family doctor, and then we say Dr. Harrison, who is your OB, Dr. Harrison? Who's going to be your pediatrician, like Dr. Harrison? And then he goes, she's not a dentist. We have somebody else for that. <laughs> I never told you that, right? No, you never He said. has this joke. Awesome. He always says the same thing. <laughs> That's great. Family medicine doctors seem to be able to do it all. They take care of patients of all ages, cradle to grave. Years might go by without them having to deal with any serious medical condition for a particular patient. But eventually that day comes, and then the relationship that they've established over the course of many years becomes vital. Just ask Dr. Harrison. She's a clinical assistant professor of family medicine at Brown University. She also has a group practice in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. Dr. Harrison and her team started seeing Elaine 15 years ago. They've cared for her from when she was first trying to start a family through four pregnancies. I'm Viknesh Kasturi. And I'm Alex Homer. And this is Back of the Chart. When Elaine first moved to the area, she wanted to continue seeing a primary care doctor every year. Elaine is a non-native English speaker, and she found that it was pretty difficult for her to find a physician who'd be patient enough to listen to her and address her concerns. But Dr. Harrison's office was different. Here's Elaine. Everywhere I went since I moved to the USA, it was very hard for me to express myself and to understand what uh, doctors were trying to, you know, because doctors, they have their very hard doctor words. And sometimes yeah. some of the doctors I went to, if I questioned anything more than two times, they would be not rude, but like, you know, uh, don't explain. It wasn't explained to me. I couldn't understand what was going on. Even if it was nothing, but you know, you want to know if everything's okay with you. And sometimes you don't understand one thing or another. So when I went to see Dr. Harrison, it was love at first sight. <laughs> yeah. She was very, very uh, easygoing because I, I always have so many questions. And sometimes I, I have the same question every visit. She's very patient and she knows how to explain. That was the start of a long, fruitful relationship. Dr. Harrison takes care of Elaine and her husband. She also delivered and cares for Elaine's children. The first three pregnancies had no major complications, but then Elaine became pregnant again with a fourth child. And at the prenatal visit, Dr. Harrison discovered something unexpected. Um, I went for a prenatal visit. So Dr. Harrison, uh, we were talking about the pregnancy and she checked my blood pressure, it was high. And uh, I had no headache or any other symptom besides the vision. I had the, the, the black dots in my vision. I thought it was just because I was heavy and I got up from the chair too fast. But it wasn't. It was one of the symptoms. So for that, that, that's the first thing how we found out I had the preeclampsia. Preeclampsia and eclampsia refers to a serious condition in pregnant women. It's a constellation of high blood pressure and some other symptoms that can put a mother at risk of seizures. It can also threaten the health of a fetus. Uh, yeah, I was scared, but but I trust Dr. Harrison. So the way she, she speaks to me and explains to me every visit, being pregnant or not, is very clarifying. So when I found out I had preeclampsia that day, 
And she explained that I was okay, the baby's okay, but this was a condition that I had to be monitored through the rest of the pregnancy and what could happen and what I should worry about and what I shouldn't worry about. That made things easier for me than just try to wonder if I could trust her or if I was losing my baby because pregnant ladies are a little bit crazy. That's the first thing I think. taught in the first interviewing class I took that in the beginning of the talk with the patient, you listen uninterrupted. So you say to the patient, you know, what brings you in today or whatever your opening line is, and then you just let them talk and you don't interrupt. So maybe it takes them five minutes to tell you why they came in today, but you don't interrupt. You, you know, you have to hit the balance of what's the right amount of information for that particular person to hear. You also have to be very, very frank about why this is important to pay attention to. So you have to say, you know, if we don't treat this, you could have a seizure. If you're not able to go to the hospital for monitoring, then the baby could be harmed or the baby could die. If we don't get the blood work done, then, you know, your kidneys could fail. So you have to make the balance between being very frank and not holding back any information or sugarcoating, like you say, but also not scaring someone and giving someone that information in a way that um, helps them take the best care they can of themselves without, without making them withdraw. So I think I try to set the tone of here are the facts and here's why we need more data. I think I say that a lot. We need more data, right? We know this. We know your blood pressure is high. We need more data. We're going to go get more labs. And the reason we're going to get the more labs is because we want to know if you have this thing called preeclampsia. We also see how the relationship comes to bear upon this new development. Dr. Harrison strikes that balance between being someone's doctor and someone's friend. One of my, uh, I had to go twice in the office to see Dr. Harrison to monitor the baby. And at least once a week, she sent me to the hospital. And I hated that. I hated that. And she knew it. So one of those visits, she was like, Elaine, you have to go to the hospital. I was like, oh, no. Yeah, really? I have to go home. I have two, three kids at home and two are little. And she was like, yeah, you have to go because I'm your doctor. I'm worried about you and the baby. And the, the, the right thing to do is to go even if it's just for more monitoring. And she was being the doctor there. She wasn't being the friend. She was being the doctor friend, not the friend doctor. And that's what I'm talking about. You're there to be heard, and the doctor should be there to listen. That makes everything easier for the everything else that comes after that. After the diagnosis, Elaine begins to check her blood pressure at home. And to keep tabs on what was happening, she'd also have frequent lab work and urinalysis done. But at home one day, she took a blood pressure reading of 180 over 162. For reference, normal blood pressure is about 120 over 80. That's when I called my husband to come home, and he was like, did you call Dr. Harris? I was like, no, I'm not, call- I'm not calling her. She's going to send me to the hospital. <laughs> it's like, well, you have to. <laughs> so, yeah. Tell them about the phone call, though. 
Oh yeah, the phone call. That was after I delivered, right? One week after. I, oh, actually, oh, was that one? One yes. week after, yeah, because yeah. I delivered on the 27th. It was a Sunday. And then next Saturday, I wasn't feeling good. I was home already with the baby. I wasn't feeling good. And the high, the, the pressure was really high. So I called Dr. Harrison and she, and we talked about, she was um, telling me what to do, rest and take your medication and everything. So next, next day on a Sunday morning, I woke up with this worst headache I had in my whole life. And I checked my blood pressure was high again. Was high, both was high, but very, very bad. And then I, my husband was on the first floor and was like, oh, we have to go to the hospital. When I said that, the phone rang and it was Dr. Harrison. <laughs> and he answered the phone, we go into the hospital. Elaine is not feeling good. It's very high. Where should I go? And she told him where we should go. And then on our way to the hospital, he was like, when did you call Dr. Harrison? I was like, I never called her today. I called her yesterday. <laughs> And he was like, oh, Dr. Harrison really have a connection with you because she just called and I thought you spoke to her this morning and I, I didn't. I think um, I had perhaps not heard back from you the night before when I thought that you were going to call. So no, when I got up in the morning. Actually, I did. I called you okay. and I told you I took the medication. I feel a little better now. Okay. And I, I was I ha I was gonna see you on Tuesday, and mm -hmm. then you told me no, if everything is okay, just I'll see you on Tuesday. Okay. So when I got yeah. up that Sunday morning, I wanted to know that you were okay. Uh -huh. And regardless of what we talked about the night before, so that's why I picked up the the phone to call because I want I knew you were checking your blood pressure, so I uh -huh. wanted to know again what your blood pressure. Was. So the funny thing is, in the car, when I told him I didn't call her that morning. And he looked at me like, how did she know? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> she did. <laughs> Elaine was potentially very sick with those blood pressure numbers. Um, and um, that's, why, so that's why I called. It's family doctors see everybody, we like to say, cradle to grave. Cradle to grave. So... Philosophically, um, of course, I think family medicine is the best specialty. Um, but philosophically, I think that we shouldn't be in the position of um, closing doors for our patients if we're caring for people who are underserved. That we shouldn't say, um, well, actually, you know, I can care for you, Elaine, but, you know, I can't see your kids. And no one in this practice can see your kids. You have to go down the street. And we can't see your husband. I can take care of you, but, you know, can't see your husband. I, just, I think that's wrong. I think that's wrong. I think it's... Um, I think it's not fair to patients. I think it's not fair to patients who, um, you know, have trouble getting to care, accessing care in the first place. Part of the answer is that it's not just me at all. It starts, you were kind of talking about this earlier, that you liked the way you were treated in our office. So it starts when you walk in the door and people behind the desk look like you and the people who are, you know, coming and getting patients and taking them back look like you. They probably speak your own language. Now, we should be clear that my practice is primarily bilingual, bicultural, Spanish, English, and Elaine is a Portuguese speaker. But I think there's some crossover in what makes 
still makes people comfortable. So my point being that it's not just me that makes the patients feel like they're part of a family. It's actually my family, my work family, who are treating our patients as they would want their family to be treated. So the first part is coming in to the front door and seeing who's there. Um, The next part of the team is Gloria. We are equal team members in caring for our patients. Would would you agree? Yes. um, She's my medical assistant. Um, She's Colombian-American. Spanish is her first language. We've worked together since the day I walked in the door at this practice, so 13 years. So really, the three of us, Mm -hmm. Elaine and Gloria and I, have all known each other the same amount of time. Gloria has... an amazing ability to put people at ease. And she starts the process of their feeling heard and feeling attended to um, when she, from the minute she picks them up in the waiting room and brings them back to the patient room. So then that makes my job easier, makes me more effective at helping the patient feel comfortable because Gloria comes and tells me, like, they, they're here for that, but she told me she's really worried about this. I, mean, I can't tell you how many times Gloria has done that. Like, she told me, you know, her, her husband left and he's got another girlfriend and she wants to be checked for STDs, but she doesn't really want to tell you that. You know, so that saves me not just time, but sort of mental energy because I'm already a step ahead and I already know I have to find a non-threatening and comfortable way of saying to the patient, oh, do you, you know, like, how are things at home? Or do you maybe want to just do the STD test because you're here? Or it just gets me further along the path to connecting with the patient. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, then... Then it then it's easy because a lot of my you know a lot of the legwork's done for me. But then you know it it helps that I speak Spanish. Um, it helps that um, we work in a very down to earth setting, not in a you know in a in a um, not poor neighborhood, but it's definitely not a wealthy area of the state at all. Um, you know we try really hard to do the simple stuff like not look at the computer very much, but look at the patient and sit in a way that your body language projects, hey, I'm actually really interested in your story. Um, we have our rooms set up to facilitate that. Uh, it's, it's the whole, you know, it's the whole, it's the whole package. It's not just me. And then the, that's why patients feel so attended to. Absolutely. That's, that's the way I feel, that I've been heard, that I've been taken care of it. And I will never forget Gloria cried with me when uh, I found out I was pregnant. Then here comes Dr. Harris, like, congratulations. And the way the way they speak to me, I don't feel like I'm here, I'm a patient. You don't, she just don't say, congratulations, you're pregnant. She comes and congratulations. She hugs me. Hey, are you happy? How are you feeling? She words about me. With my last pregnancy, and I, I was so anxious to know what was the, the gender of the baby. And she knew that. So she called me. And she was like, Elaine, I have the results. I was like, yeah? Oh, yeah? You're going to tell me? I was like, no, you have to come in for your next visit. I was like, no, Gloria, please. You're calling me. <laughs> you're calling me to tell me. <laughs> She's like, yeah, it's a girl. It's a girl. <laughs> she couldn't wait. <laughs> One of the things Gloria has always said every time that um, you've gotten pregnant, Gloria says, I am going to be an auntie again. (laughs) 
you know, I call, I text her when I did the 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 pharmacy test at home. Mm -hmm. It was a weekend, and after I told my husband, my family, I text Gloria. I was like, Gloria, guess what? I'm pregnant again. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, so that's that's our relationship. You know, Elaine makes it sound like it's sort of a, a one-way thing that you know Gloria and I were wonderful and made it easy. But the I want to point out that the sustaining patient relationships are the ones where the patient comes is open. They give us the extraordinarily pri extraordinary privilege of trusting us with their care. They bring us their children they accept our advice even if they don't want to hear it like going to the hospital so the powerful relationships are powerful because both sides of the relationship are contributing a lot it's not it's not at all a one-way street and it is I'm, it is a privilege it really is a privilege and it's fun i can't think how much we've laughed together yeah. right i mean it's really <laughs> yes. it really is fun We'd like to thank Dr. Harrison and Elaine for coming on the show. And thank you to our listeners. See you in two weeks. Back of the Chart is produced and hosted by Alex Homer and Viknesh Kasturi. Tweet at us at Back of the Chart or find us online at backofthechart.weebly.com. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe. And if you love this episode, please leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. It helps new listeners find the show. Our music is by Blue Dot Sessions. Special thanks to faculty and staff at Brown University for making this possible. 